1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray. Lord, um, I ask once again for a fresh filling of your spirit. Lord, you know all the lives of the hearers now, Lord, and what they need from you. Uh, You are the good shepherd, and you will faithfully feed your sheep today. I pray that you would uh, cause me to be sensitive to your spirit as I preach, and to be bold, and to be compassionate, and to be just used by you in a mighty way. Lord, use this time for your glory and for your purposes. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I I don't know how many of you understand what you do when you prepare to preach, but a lot of times what you do is you you go over the text that you're going to preach over and over and over and over again. And if it's a small book, you could do that a lot. So this last week in First Thessalonians, I must have read it between 20 and 30 times, right? And um, as you read, I really ask the Holy Spirit to guide and direct me, show me what, what he wants for this Sunday. And um, as I was reading it, I felt like, like Paul was a coach of a team that was on a winning streak. He was telling his people, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a good job. I just felt like that was kind of the the overall emphasis of this book. is just Paul encouraging a team on a winning streak. Keep going. You're doing well. And there's a couple of tweaks that we got to make. And so what I did was um, I decided to give this a title, uh, this particular sermon a title, in lieu of the season that it is, you know, with colds and flu and all that other stuff. So this message is called Contagious Christianity, all right? And uh, what it is, is it, it, Contagious Christianity is attractive to the world, yet it is distinct from the world. And that, that's the main point of my message today. Um, what about this book? What's, what's, what's some history? We need to know the history of this book in order to make sense of what is being said. Well, Thessalonica is the capital and the largest city in the Roman province of Macedonia. Okay, Big city, about 200,000 people back then. As a matter of fact, uh, Thessalonica is still a Greek city, uh, city and it's called Thessaloniki, or as uh, it's also known as Salonika. So if you go there, that's you go on the map, look, that's Thessalonica back then. Um, this particular church was founded by Paul when he was on his second missionary journey. He stopped in Thessalonica for about three months. And in that short amount of time, God blessed the work of his hands and a church was formed and made. And uh, it was there that uh, he... Put the, God put together this church. You can read about that in Acts chapter 17. 
you want to know a little bit more about what happened. What eventually occurred was God was doing a really a mighty work and the Jewish people started putting pressure on the authorities there and on uh, the other religious people. And what they did was they forced Paul to flee. So he left and went to Berea, then he went to Athens, and eventually he made it to Corinth. And that is where he wrote 1 Thessalonians to uh, this body of believers there a few months after he left. So from when the church was formed until probably this letter was written, it might have been six to nine months. So it's a fairly young church here. And um, this is possibly Paul's first New Testament epistle, written somewhere between 50 and 51 A.D. Some scholars think that uh, Galatians could be the first. It's kind of a push, but uh, it's either the first or probably the second. And what Paul did was, you know, he kind of had to skedaddle out of there quick. And so he loved these people. This was, the, this was his body. This was his church, and I understand that. And he loved these people, and he didn't know how they were doing. He was concerned. So what he did was he sent uh, Timothy back to this largely Gentile church made up of uh, Greeks and women, and he sent them Timothy there in order to encourage them, to ground them in their faith, and to give him a report back. How are they doing? How's the body doing over there? So here is an outline of uh, the book of First Thessalonians. Chapters 1, 1 through 4 is an introduction. Chapters 1, verse 5 through 3, 13 is the celebration of faithfulness is what I call it. Um, this is where there is the story of the Thessalonians' conversion, Paul's mission in Thessalonica, their common persecution, Paul's absence explained why I left, why I'm not there now. He's explaining some of those things. And then a prayer for their endurance. And then in verse, chapter one, or 4, verse 1 through 522, it's a challenge for them to grow. Uh, walk in sexual purity, love and witnessing, uh, faithfully walk in hope of Jesus' return, and instructions for congregational life, basically holy living. And then finally in chapter 5, 23 through 28, are his concluding remarks. And what we see is this, that, that Timothy went there and uh, brings a report to Paul of how this new young church is doing. And this report is a great, wonderful report. And what Timothy says is basically they're holding fast to their faith in spite of persecution. It was uh, a largely pagan area and very, uh, a lot of sexual immorality as part of their worship and just lifestyle. And these people were called to holiness and uh, moral uh, purity. And they, because of that, they were being persecuted. And so what we see is, is that they were holding fast to their faith. As a matter of fact, it was so amazing what God was doing in the life of the people of this church that they were an example to believers in the entire region. In the entire region. Take a look at God's word. First Thessalonians chapter 1, 6-8. through eight. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and, and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Holy cow! So that we need not say anything. Paul's saying, way to go! 
I mean, we're hearing all about it. Your testimony, your walk is affecting people all over the region. They're hearing about what God is doing in you. In 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter, or verse 1, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, way to go. We talk to you about what this looks like, this Christian life, what, what God wants to do in you and through you, and you're, by God's grace you're walking in it. Great, way to go. And he goes on, just as you are doing, that you do so uh, that you do so more and more. Keep doing it as a matter of fact. Do it more. Do it even more. It's an incredible encouragement in this letter, saying, yeah, way to go. This congregation was very young, so what happened is it also needed further instruction and exhortation. So what we find in First Thessalonians is a call to action in the time between when they came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior until the, their home going or when Christ returns. Because there's an emphasis on First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians on Jesus' second coming. And that it had a negative effect in particular we'll talk about. But he was saying, listen, this is, this is since you were saved till either you die or Christ comes back, this is how you live. This is, this is, keep pursuing these things. It's an incredible, encouraging letter. And Paul calls the Christians to this. He says, I want you to love one another. I want you to love one another more and more. And I want you also to walk in holiness. And do this in light of the second coming. The second coming of Christ is an encouragement for you. It's something that you look to, and that is part of your motivation to live holy, to love one another. He said, in view of eternity, in view of Christ's second coming, live like this. So he's using that as a springboard to this, in this particular epistle. Well, contagious Christianity is attractive to the world when Christians love one another. And here Paul is dealing with another issue that he's got to deal with. It's a little uncomfortable. But he says, you know what? You're attractive to the world when you love one another and you have a good work ethic. That's what Paul deals with. Here's what was happening. Again, have to understand the background. And then when you read through 1 Thessalonians, you see these little signals. Okay, They thought that Jesus was coming back again soon, like next week. And so what some of the people did was they quit their jobs. And they were going to just tell everybody about Jesus coming back. I'm going to put on a new sandwich sign. Repent. Jesus is coming next week. Right? So they, they quit their jobs in order to tell people supposedly about this, but they didn't really do that, is what I'm thinking because of what Paul says. And so they quit their jobs, and it had degenerated into being freeloaders. They were freeloading. And so when you read earlier in 1 Thessalonians about Paul talking about how I came to you and we worked so that we wouldn't be a burden on you, He's basically saying there, without saying it directly, follow my example, you lazy people. That's what he's saying. 
And because these people were struggling with this, he's saying, listen, you've got to stop doing this. Take a look, God's word. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12. Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And then in 2 Thessalonians, he's addressing the issue as well, uh, chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. For we hear that some, of you, some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Isn't that the way it works, though? People are lazy. They're going to sit at home. They're going to eat bonbons or watch TV or whatever. They become busy by you. Start gossiping about everything because what else are you going to do? He's saying, listen, stop doing this. No such persons, to, now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, work is a way that God provides for our needs and others' needs. One of the best series that we went through in one of our small groups was the series on working and how God calls us to do that. When we see what God was doing what, what, after the fall, even before the fall, but that this is a good thing. Work is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. God has called us to that. It is a way that God provides for us and for others in need. And um, this is part of God's design. And so he says, go work. Be faithful in it. Now I want to say this. If you noticed, I said this is the way that God provides for legitimate needs. And I hear something a lot today that I need to just ask people to examine their hearts in this, and that is, is this, is that is the issue really that you're not making a living wage or is the issue the way you're living? Is the issue that you're not making a living wage or is the issue the way you're living? Because I know that God takes care of all my needs according to his riches and glory. But I think sometimes what happens is we have to be careful because we can want all things new or we got to have this or we got to have that. And then we get to the end and we say, well, I can't make it on this. And you go, well, okay, uh, really? Well, maybe it's an issue of the way you want to live or are living. Maybe things need to change. And if not, if it really is an issue of not making a living wage, then you might have to look for another job to be able to make it or get a second job. And we say, well, you can't do that. People have done that for a long time. You've got to do what you've got to do to take care of your family. Just saying. So what happens is this Paul is challenging this. He's saying, hey, well, now wait a minute. Be careful here. Now, sometimes we need a hand up. I get that. I, I heard of a testimony of somebody that this week did this. Because part of our finances, if you noticed, I said this, that work is a way that God provides for our necessities and other people's necessities. Because there's times when people need a hand up. Not a hand up, but a hand up. And this week I heard of a, a testimony of someone who heard of someone who was homeless and <clears throat> just for a bunch of different reasons and they f- were able to finally help them to find a place to live because they were literally living on the streets. And um, what happened was they found a place for them and this person, they helped them financially to get into that place to start out and the person was going to pay them back. 
And you see, God provided through this individual for someone else's needs. So there's a time when we do need a hand up. But the goal of our lives should not be to live off of others, but be responsible and faithful. That's what God calls us to do. That's a hard word to hear, because sometimes we, we, we don't want to hear that, those types of things. Now, I want you to know that as long as you are mentally and physically able to, and, and, and you need to hear that, because uh, there's times when we can't physically work. We can't do it because of whatever. I, hey, I'm getting to be, I'm going to be 65 next year. I can't do what I used to do. Our bodies break down. Sometimes, or as long as we're able to uh, mentally and physically work, we should work. And I want you to know this. When I say work, I don't just mean paid work, okay? Because some of you are stay-at-home parents. And I will never diminish the work that a parent who stays home to take care of their family does. That is hard work, okay? Some of us are retired. Are we being lazy in our retirement, or are we putting our hand to the plow and serving the Lord or serving the community? I, I, after the first service, that I hope I didn't step on too many toes, but it is what it is. It's God's word. Sometime, or as long as you're physically and mentally able to work, you should work with excellence. You should work with excellence. I'm afraid of that. I'm going to have to work a part-time job when I'm done here. And as I said, I'm 65 years old and I can't do what I used to do. And I don't want, I want to work hard. I believe that Christians should be the hardest workers. When somebody looks at his company and says, here's my three Christians and they're my three hardest workers. They work hard. They're not afraid of work. They're not afraid of, of putting it in. And uh, I'm afraid that, that if I don't work hard, because maybe I'm limited physically, that it'll be a negative view of Christ. I'm serious about that. Because I think we need to work with excellence in reliance on God's power. That's where my hope is. For His glory. For His glory. Okay? And the reason being is I think there is a strong connection between the way a Christian works and the attitude that unbelievers have towards the gospel. Oh, yeah, he's a Christian, but they're all lazy, aren't they? I got a couple working for me, and they, man, they're always looking for excuse not to work. I think that we have to understand that this is the way that the world is. And part of the reason that God calls us to work, first of all, is because that's his way of providing for us. But part of it is, is the gospel message that we are going to be people that put our hand to the plow, work faithfully. We're going to be those people that others are going to look and say, well, boy, look at them. They're so different. They work hard. So it's just a challenge for all of us to say, where are you at with this whole thing of working? Again, if you're retired, then what are you doing with your retirement? You know, there's, there's needs in the church and there's needs in the community. Keep your hand to the plow. Be faithful. If you're working for someone, be, be the best employer or employee that they have. Work hard. Work hard. So contagious Christians spread gospel influence not only through a strong work ethic, but, I, but by also being attractive to the world. By loving one another. That's what Paul is getting to here. Take a look. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. 
For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing. So they're doing good. They're loving one another. He's saying, way to go. I love this. In, to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Do this more and more. You're doing a good job. Do it more and more. I've got a challenge for the small groups this week. This week, maybe when you get into your small groups, ask them this. What do you think La Crescent Free is doing well that God would commend us for? I think sometimes we, we're so worried about, you know, uh, oh boy, we're, there's nothing good in us and all these things. You know, in our human nature, I get that. But what I'm saying is, is this. Would God commend us on things? We're so worried about only pointing out the negatives sometimes. Right? What about, what would God say? Way to go, La Crescent Free! They taught you about that, to love one another. And you're doing this. But do it more and more. You could be better. You could do, you could do it in a greater level. And then in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 through 16, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. You're doing a good job. You are building one another. You are encouraging each other. But do it more and more. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you as the Lord and the mon- over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You see, the first thing the world notices about Christians is how they treat one another. When somebody walks in this church that has never been here, they look at how we treat each other. I think about it in one scripture. It says, see how they love one another. Is that what they would say? Is that what you do on Sundays when you come here? Do you love one another? I, I'll tell you what a prayer is. Almost every Sunday before the first service, we have a prayer meeting for the, the church services here and for this body. And we pray this, God... Would you cause people that come here to do, fulfill all the one another's, to love one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another? God, that people would come here, please listen to this, that they would come here to give, not just receive. That's the one another's. That's the one another's. God, make us this body that love one another, that, that care about one another, that when somebody shares something that's hard, that we say, can I pray for you right now? And who cares if there's 20 people all around? We just pray. We encourage them. He's saying, do this. Continue to do this. Do the one another's. You know, some of those one another's are uncomfortable. You know, there's one listed here. Uh, verse 14, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. That's speaking the truth in love. Years ago, I remember we had to talk to somebody who was going to this church. We said, you need to stop being lazy and get a job. So that's a hard thing to say. But it was true. We had to admonish the idol. The, he, he needed to get off his butt and get a job. Now that's an uncomfortable thing. That is a loving thing. That's a loving thing. That's what Paul was doing here, isn't he, within this letter? And he goes on and he says, encourage the faint-hearted." Those are the people that just are in a place where the world has just beat them down. You know, they're, they're just, they're, 
but it's hard emotionally for them right now, maybe even physically. And, and it's just been a, a rough time. And I love how the Scripture talks about Jesus being the lifter of our heads. And that shows me that when we're down, when we're faint-hearted, when we're struggling, you know, our head droops and we kind of walk around like this. And Jesus is the lifter of our heads. And he says, you know what? He says, to those people, encourage the faint-hearted. Say, how are you doing today? The hard part is, is sometimes, uh, you know, we, wanna, we, we don't want to really share everything. That's okay. It's, it's kind of a tough day today. Can I pray for you? Yes. I'm going to encourage the faint-hearted. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to lift their heads through the gospel and the scripture. He says, encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Help them. Do what you can. I hate, I hate that. I'm 65 years old, like I said, and, and I can't do what I used to do. So I've got to ask people to help me because I'm too weak to do it. Physically, I can't do it. And it bothers me to do that because I'm used to doing it all on my own. I don't need to ask anybody. But God says, guess what, Dan? Your pride stinks. So go ask. Say, hey, can you give me a hand with this? I just can't do it. I was helping Kyle move. I remember this. And uh, we were carrying some big thing out. I don't know what it was. And out of the trailer. And Cyrus was there. And, uh, and Cyrus walked into the van first. So I was going to have to go back down the ramp with this heavy item. And I said, hey, can we switch? Because I said, I ain't walking backwards with anything heavy anymore. He said, sure. So we got it down there. We put it down. Then what happened was we were going to carry it into the house. And there was another young back there, your son, Josh. And I said, hey, Josh, would you mind grabbing this? I said, I just, you know, I'm not, I just can't do what I used to do. That is a very humbling thing to say, I can't do what I used to do. He says, you know what, that's okay. It's another opportunity for someone to do what? To serve someone else. And it causes me to grow in my humility, to be able to say, I can't do it. So can you help me? And that's part of what he's talking about here. He's saying, you know what? Love one another. Love one another. This is some of what that looks like. Just a couple of practical things. This is what it looks like. Because loving one another is crucial for the attractiveness of the gospel. When people walk in that door, are they seeing the people that love one another? Because if they do, even though you don't share the gospel with them, it is a testimony that these people are different. They love one another. See how they love one another. And that's our heart. Let us love one another. Even in our brokenness, in our messes, in our weakness, whatever. Love one another. Contagious Christianity is attractive to the world, yet it must be distinct from it. We as a body of believers must be distinct from the world. Okay, and that doesn't mean that we have to dress a certain way to be distinct. You know, you got to wear this kind of clothes, or you gotta, uh, or you gotta, um, you know, eat this kind of food, or not eat any food with this in it, or whatever. You know, or uh, you know, fill in the blank. It's like, okay, this is old school. I don't care. Uh, Steve Taylor had a song called, uh, and, he, and, and one of the lines was, "And you only buy milk." from a Christian cow, right? It's like we're going to separate ourselves from the world so that we're almost freaky. You know, look at the oddballs. Look at, look at the, 
okay, that's not what he's talking about here. He said you be distinct from the world. What does that mean, that distinct from the world? Holiness is the distinctive that separates Christians in the world and from the world. It's about holiness. It's about looking like Jesus and being like Jesus. That separates us from the world. Take a look at God's word again. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 and 7. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. I think that's one of the big ways right now that's happening is, is that... Um, you know, Paul then goes into this into this section where he's talking about moral purity, and he's saying, you know, God calls you to be different than the world, to be holy, to walk in purity. This is what it says in seven. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And I think right now, you know, the world it has this pressure on us that we have to conform to the world, and they had pressure back then too. Remember their society; it was a pagan society, and immorality was the way to go. And all these Christians are talking about moral purity? How old-fashioned is that? That's probably what they said back then. Nothing new under the sun, is there? We hear the same thing today. And then now we're deconstructing faith and saying words that the Bible says are very clear don't mean that. They mean something else different to me. And so we're taking what God determined as immoral and we're saying, well, it's okay. It's all right. As long as they love each other, it doesn't matter. God is the one who gets to determine that, not us. And he's saying, you're going to be separate. You're going to be different. You're going to stand apart, okay? Not because of the way you dress, or because you're different, because you're like Christ. You're holy. That's what he's calling us to. Look at verse 2 Timothy 1.9. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And then Ephesians 1, 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? I am just always amazed at that. This morning before, again, in that prayer meeting, I, just, I was talking and I looked over to one of the people that were there and said, isn't it amazing that God chose us? I mean, we know how screw up, screwed up we are. You know, like I said last week, you know, Maybe we have our words and our actions, you know, we're getting, becoming more and more like Christ in those areas. But boy, my thoughts can go wandering, right? And I go, man, he's, he chose me before the foundations of the world. He knew how screwed up I was going to be. And he still loved me. He still chose me. Wow, that's amazing. Anyway, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He calls us to holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 but as he who called us is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You see, one of the purposes in God calling us is to make us holy. To make us to be like Jesus. That's part of what he is doing. And God uses the time from when we, by God's grace, receive the gift of salvation. When, when he opened up our eyes to who we were without him, that we were separated from him and we had no hope. And the gap between us and God was so huge and there was nothing we could do to shorten it. And so Christ came and he put on flesh and he fulfilled the law for us and he lived perfectly in thought, word, and deed. And yet he went to the cross and was punished for our sin. 
brutally punished for my sin. And rose on the third day. Payment for Dan's sin accepted. Paid in full. And from that moment that God opened up our eyes to that truth, and by His grace alone, through faith alone, believing what we do not see in Christ alone, from the moment that He opened up our eyes to that truth, and by His drawing us to Himself, we received that gift of salvation from that moment until we die or Christ comes again, God is working on us. He is transforming us into the image of Jesus. He is restoring us and He is maturing us in a theological term as He's sanctifying us. He's making us more like Christ. And sometimes it sure doesn't feel like that, does it? It feels like you take one step forward and like 20 steps back, right? And you start feeling like, is it ever going to happen? And you think, I fail so much. I fall so far short. How am I going to be able to do this? And you forget. Holiness is what? Grace with blisters. You see, it's about God. Because your sanctification is as sure as your election. And the reason being is because it's all about God's faithfulness. It's about God from beginning to end. He is not finished working in you. He promises he will continue this work that he started. He will continue it to the end. It's about him doing it in you. I almost came, I came this close to entitling this instead of contagious Christianity. I was going to call it I was going to call it grace and blisters. And I thought, yeah, it's well, cold and flu season, so we'll change it up a little. It's about God doing this work. Yet throughout this letter, it's about men putting their hand to the plow. You see, if God called you, then he will be the one to sanctify you. He is in the process. He is doing that work, whether you feel like it or not. Take a look at God's word. Again, this is the verses we read. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Isn't that refreshing to hear? That is so good to hear, especially when you read through this whole letter about God uh, through Paul challenging us to walk in holiness, to work hard, to do these things. And he comes in and he's talking about holiness and he's talking about bringing glory to God. And then he closes it up and he says, oh, by the way, God's going to do this work in you. But he just called us to do it. Grace with blisters. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I'm so glad it's not dependent on me alone. I can't do it. It's dependent upon God. He's the one doing the work in us. He's saying, now come on. Way to go, so you can do better, and I'll empower you to do it. These things I ask you for, I put my spirit within you, Dan. I know you can do it because I'm going to empower you to do it. He's calling us to that. I love the word in here, blameless, be kept blameless, without fault or condemnation or guilt, without any of that, because of the cross, because of Jesus.
Not our performance, but Christ's performance for us. That's what it's based on. That's why he continues to call us and, and, and transform us into the image of Jesus. That's an amazing thing. God does it. So there we have it. We have Coach Paul. And his team is on a winning streak. And he's saying, way to go. Way to go, guys. There's some things we need to tighten up here. But way to go. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep loving one another. Keep being distinct from the world. Be attractive to the world. Yet be distinct from it. Work hard. Love one another. Pursue holiness by the power of my spirit. I dwell in you. You can do it. Because I'm faithful, Dan. Because I'm faithful. And I will do it. So that means we can do what now? We can live joyfully. We can live gratefully in the promises of the gospel, regardless of what's happening. And the hope of a coming day of deliverance when Jesus will return and all wickedness will end. It'll be over. And I threw in these last verses just because how can you preach First Thessalonians without these verses, right? So I had to kind of squeeze them in. It might be a square peg in a round hole, but I still put them in there, okay? Here we go. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. Rejoice always. Here's Paul. Didn't he do that just two books ago? Wrote a whole book on that. Philippians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, Dan. I call these sniper prayers, okay? Pray without ceasing. So I just got to, you know, set myself up, find some hill, and just live up there and pray all day long. Now, what I call sniper prayers throughout the day. You just, you know, Lord, my heart isn't right. Please forgive me and change my heart. Or, Lord, I pray for that person. They're lost. Would you please impact their life? Or as, some, as Lord, bring somebody to your mind. Throughout the day, you're praying constantly. This, this ebb and flow, this breathing in, breathing out. Just that's what he's talking about. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. I, I, I capitalized in because it doesn't say for all circumstances. Because some of the circumstances are by, own, by our own sin. But we can, we can be grateful in, to God in all circumstances, whatever's happening. And he goes on, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. He's saying don't say no. See, there's, there's that grace with blisters. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient as he pricks your heart to call someone or to get into the Word or whatever. Don't quench him. He goes on, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. He's saying, here, go ahead. Go. He's saying, way to go, Lacrosse and Free. There's some things that I'm proud of you. Do it more and more. But we've got to tighten up some things. And I think that's probably what God's saying to each of us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, right now we come to you and we... Uh, Lord, by your Spirit, would you encourage each person in this room? Lord, just speak to their hearts. Let them know, hey, way to go. Loved how you reached out to that person or how you said hi or 
how you're growing in this area. Lord, would you communicate just an encouragement, a way to go, keep doing it more. And Lord, in those areas that we need some tweaking in, would you reveal that to us, Lord? God, we're asking you to do this for our joy, but for your glory, Lord. That we would be in the world, Lord, yet distinct from it. That's where our heart is, God. Would you make us that kind of people so that your name would be exalted and praised and glorified? God, do this for your purposes, God. We need you to do it. And we know you will do it because your word promises us that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' beautiful and powerful and glorious name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.